0: Alright, hello ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jake Kerr and I'm your host for today's Black Ink Podcast, episode number 67. I'd like to thank you for joining me. We're in for a fucking big one. It has to be a big one because I've recorded this three times and every single time I fuck it up somehow. Right now, it is about 10 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday, the, I don't know, like 8th or 9th of December, you know, long enough past my 29th birthday to know better, okay? Okay. I've spent the best part of the morning uh, vectorizing people's images ready for screen printing. I've uh, also designed a swing tag for my clothes that are going to be available in stores by the end of the the week, but we're going to touch on that in a second. I firstly just want to really fucking apologize because I feel like I've dropped the ball a little bit, okay? What I try and aim for is two podcast uploads a week, which means consequently normally I have to record three or four because I tend to have this, uh, what would I call it? tendency to say shit that I shouldn't say and put on the internet. And that's basically what it was. Yesterday, I ranted for literally half an hour about someone and how how unprofessional and how much lack of respect they have and all the rest. And I kind of, it wasn't until yesterday afternoon, I sat down and I was like watching little parts of it back and I'm like, this is way over the top. (laughs) Like there's no way, I didn't organically feel about that. I didn't feel that way about that person which is probably the main thing that I'm concerned about. Because at this point, I feel like I've built enough reputation about talking about how I feel and not talking about things that I feel people want to hear from me. If I just stay true to myself, if I say true to this, and it's such a cliche thing to say, like, oh, I'm being true to myself, bro. I'm manifesting the fucking future that I want to see, man. All I'm trying to do is not go above and beyond what I, what I feel. Because if I do that, then I set the bar for this like unachievable character that I'm creating of myself. And rather than that, I would rather just talk about stuff that I'm actually passionate about. And the problem with yesterday was, and there's a lesson in this as well. The problem with yesterday was I spoke when I was emotional. So I was speaking about something that happened on Monday and I recorded the podcast on Tuesday. And I thought, you know, because it's Tuesday, I'm probably not going to have this residual kind of anger left in me. And I'm just going to say what it is. By Tuesday afternoon upon reflection in my mind, what I said and watching it back, I could realize that I had gone too far. And the problem was I was speaking about someone that, look, honestly, I don't respect them. I don't respect them at all. After what happened, I don't have respect for them, but I also have enough professional respect for them to appreciate that they they treated me how they treated me, and look, I'm gonna to touch on it a little bit today because I can't cock tease you by telling you how I felt and not tell you about the thing that happened. So as far as like my professional respect goes, I understand where this person came from and why they treated me the way they treated me and why they spoke to me the way they spoke to me. But at the same time, I cut no one any fucking slack because I don't cut myself slack. You know what I mean? Like if I have it, like here's a good here's a good example, okay? If you and I are talking, and then at the end of the conversation. You're like, anyway, mate. I'll catch you later, and I'm like, yep, okay, yep, cool. I'll catch you later. See you, bye. Now the other person's like, okay, bye, bye, and then I'm like, hey, you, dr- uh, dr- uh, dr- uh, b- b- be safe. I think about that interaction for the next fucking 20 minutes. I think about like what you said first, what I could have said to combat it or to to close it off nicely, or maybe if I just could have walked away, whatever it is, I focus so deeply on those communication mishaps to make sure that I get better and better every time so that hopefully one day, I can just have seamless conversations with whoever might want to have a conversation with me and not have any real interruptions. Now I allow no fucking slack in that whole process, okay? I don't walk away from a crappy interaction and go like, oh, they happen sometimes or like, oh, it's human to be human. No dude, if you want to have good interactions, you have to practice your interactions. And when something goes right or something goes wrong, you have to be able to break it down to its finest element, realize what it was and focus on either keeping that or fixing that depending on if it's good or bad. And that's exactly what I did for this person. I, kept, I cut them no slack at all. While I understand where they came from, I still don't give a fuck, okay? Because what this came down to was manners, courtesy, and respect. And I feel like while this person was polite, and while this person perhaps was like sharing a space with me, they had no idea who I was. They had no idea what I was doing there. They had no idea what the purpose of me talking to them was. And all they did was treated this little fucking interaction that we had with each other as an opportunity to brag about what they're doing. And, uh... Look, I'm not going to say much more about it because you'd be able to fucking reverse engineer everything and figure out who this, thing, who this person is. And in all honesty, like as I'm finding out, anyone that I talk about in this podcast, they end up watching it. They end up hearing it. Whether it's for good reasons or bad reasons, someone in their life tends to know about this podcast and listen to it and tell them about it. Fuck, I realized that whole thing with Bunbury City Motorcycle. They probably listened to that episode like by the end of the day that I recorded it. I went to their neighbors and the first thing he said to me was like, "Bro, bro, what do I need to do to make sure you don't give me a bad review on your podcast?" I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" He's like, "Next door." I'm like, "Ah, oh, fuck. Of course, of course that is the case. Of course everyone knows what everyone does in this fucking town." But all good. All good. I'll give you a couple hints. Okay. I had to ride all the way to Perth to have an hour long meeting with this person then ride all the way home. And bro, if you're watching this, you paid no attention to what I said. Actually, if you're watching this, that means that you realize what you said was kind of pointless because you were treating me like someone who's going to go start a business tomorrow, but I'm actually 12 months down the track and, like, finally got to a stage where I felt it was viable talking to you, and thus was the reason that I was talking to you. I'm not just another fucking blow-in asking you the same question that you've been asked by 10,000 people. I'm someone who's actually starting to do something, and hell, who knows? I might be the smart motherfucker that you end up doing something with in the future, but now you've got your gun, loaded it, and shot yourself in the foot. Oh, no. Anyway, moving on. What I have been doing this morning starting from the start was I vectorized a, a uh, how do I say this, if you don't know what I'm talking about. So basically, vectorizing is turning an image from an image into a mathematical equation. And you might go, hey, Jake, why do we need to turn an image into a mathematical equation? Well, an image is made up of pixels. And as you may have heard the term pixelation, when something pixelates, obviously, it goes blurry, it loses definition, and you can't see what it is if we turn that same image into a mathematical equation, it instead of using pixels, uses straight lines. So what this means, if you give me a picture and I zoom in and I can see it starting to blur the more, the more it zooms in, I know a few things. I know it's a JPEG. I know it's a PNG. I know it's basically an image, right? If I want to use that for screen printing or if I want to use it for normal printing or if I want to turn it to a sticker or a card or any sort of like turning it from digital to physical, what we need to do is make sure that when we zoom in that there's no pixels, there's no little like line, little edges on it sort of thing. We need to make sure that all lines are perfectly straight. Thus is the process of vectorizing. So what this does is it takes an original image and basically outlines this whole thing or sometimes I have to recreate it, whatever, whatever the process is, the end result is, That you're left with the same image but instead of it being an actual image built up of all these little pixels put together in different colors we've built an equation of lines so that no matter how much we zoom up on any of the corners any of the lines any of the content it's going to be purely what it is which means that when we transfer it from there to a screen, to a print, which is what this is for, then by the time it ends up on a shirt, you're not gonna see any little jagged lines. You're not gonna see anything that looks like it's been blurry, blown up, and then printed. It's gonna look like exactly what you're anticipating it to look like. And it's weird because, it's weird. This process that I'm talking about right now is actually the thing that held me back the most when Black Ink was a coffee van. Because what I used to have when Black Ink was a coffee van was I I had the ability to make T-shirts. I was outsourcing it, but I still had the ability to make T-shirts. I had the ability to sell them and I had a customer base to sell them to. The only problem was from getting an idea onto a shirt basically meant that like I could create anything you wanted on paper. You know what I mean? I go like, oh, I want something to look like, I want it to look like that, but thicker. Okay. And then someone goes, oh, yep, cool. Chuck that on Photoshop. They scan it in, they blow it up. They put a fucking thing around it. They go, right, there it is. And the problem is I always got given an image and wanted to put it onto a t-shirt, right? And the first thing the printer would say is what file format is it in? And I go, oh, "Fuck, I, I, I don't know. He goes, oh, well, it needs to be in a, in a fucking high res PDF or it needs to be a vector. It needs to be AI. It needs to be, this it needs to be that. And I was like, oh, fuck, I, I don't know. I don't know. So I, could, I struggled to get people who could basically take what I had which is normally just a JPEG or something and turn it into a workable file which is this vector file okay with this this mathematical equation file so basically we can print it and it gives us exactly what we want and back in the day I mean I was scared of learning how to use Photoshop the the idea of learning something from scratch was like fuck I don't have enough time left in my life to figure this out I had to start doing it when I was 10 years old if I'm gonna be good at it by the time I'm 22 sort of thing so I just fucking threw my hands up in the air and quite honestly that's the reason why a lot of the the that, that, that was kind of the kibosh on the whole printing project because i literally couldn't do it i didn't have any ability to get these images that i had and turn them into what i needed to use them and the, actually now saying it out loud i think the problem i had back then was i had no control over it all like even even like right now when i have a good idea about what something about something that looks good in my mind what i can do is i can sketch that I can then draw that on Photoshop roughly, I can then take that to Illustrator and Vectorizer and people who know Photoshop and Illustrator are like, why don't you just do it all in Illustrator? Because I fucking don't, okay? That's the answer, because I don't, you know? And this is probably coming from someone who builds shit in Canva, so you can suck it all, okay? So I'll take it to Illustrator, I'll vectorize it, I'll then trans- I'll then get that, uh, what's the word, uh basically you're just using emulsion to burn into a screen so i'll develop that into a screen i'll then get a blank shirt put that on my screen printer load the screen pull it in job's done so basically i control every single step of the way whereas before all i had was like a general idea of like oh it might be two or three colors um it'll have something on the front have something on the back and realistically, like even back then, I need someone to like come up with the creative itself, to come up with what the end product is going to look like, the graphic. So I had to rely on someone understanding the idea that I had and translating that into a graphic. Just that itself can be hard because if you're going to work with someone, you need someone who's happy for you to stand over their shoulder while you breathe in their ear, eating fucking samboys, salt and vinegar chips, going like, no, nah, make that a bit bigger, make that smaller. No, nah, go back to the way you had it before. No, 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 the other way you had it, all that sort of shit or it's even worse, or you give them an idea and they do it while you're not there. They do it somewhere else. And then they send you back something that it's the bare bones of what you asked for, but it's something totally fucked as far as like, how did you think that's what I meant? But then you review all the information that you gave them and you're like, yeah, I guess you just made exactly what, this is the fucking problem with graphic design, by the way, exactly what I'm talking about right now. And then follow that up. So say you've got something that's workable from this person, however you've got it, whether you're there or not, then you've got to turn it into a vector, which usually involves someone other than the person you were just dealing with. So now you've got to get someone who does that. And the problem was, people who knew how to do it are like, oh, yeah, dude, I can do that straight away. Just fucking, yeah, like, do click. Okay, here you go. But it seems to be every other fucking graphic designer, like that was one in 10 graphic designers that knew how to do that, right? The other nine graphic designers are like, oh, yeah, just... Um, look, leave it with me and I'll, I'll, I'll email you when it's done. And it's just like, fuck bro. Like how come this cunt over here that charges like 50 bucks every time I want to do it is says it's like a five minute process, but you're happy to charge me $10 to do it. And yet it seems you're going to go fucking learn how to do it. You know what I mean? Like can't, can't you just, it's one of those things that when you're on the outside, you don't know what the terminology is. You don't know the software that they're using. You don't know what sort of computer you need to run the software. You have no, like you don't know if it's easy for him because he runs some third party software that you've never heard of before that is specifically for doing that. But, so let's just say back in the day, I've got a vectorized image, it's, it's ready to go. I would then call my screen printer who was up in Perth and say, hey, I want to do 20 tops. Here's the sizes. Here's what top I want to use. Here's my artwork. And then you have the bullshit conversation backwards and forwards. Is it the right file format? How big do you want it? Where do you want it on the sh- T? The he'd then send you mock-ups about a week later saying, here's how it's going to look. You pay the man and then he'd give you tops about three weeks later. So the whole fucking idea from the, the whole process from having the original idea to having shirts that you can sell was totally out of my control. The only thing that I had any control over was a few decisions along the way. And the funny thing is, like, the way this all works, I'll get to a stage with all of this, with my business, that it'll go back to that, that I'll just have an idea, and then all that will happen is I'll receive a sample of kind of how it looks, and then I'll receive, like, sorry, yeah, so I'll have an idea, I'll give, like, the okay on the digital mock-up, I'll get a sample, review it, make a decision, and then it will fucking go to go to market sort of thing. But right now, the difference between what it was and what it is right now is I have total fucking control. Basically, I know how to use Photoshop. I know how to use Illustrator. I do the screen printing myself, which means that there's no mock-up bullshit. There's no confusion between, you know, nothing's lost in translation or communication. It's as simple as I want to make something. Here's how I want it to look kind of on paper. Here's how it looks on a screen. Here it is a finished product. Here's the screen. Here it is printed and voila fucking crazy. So the point that I'm making of all of this is, now that I've got my screen printer, I have people, as you can imagine, saying, hey, can you do my screen printing? In all honesty, I don't want to do anyone's screen printing. I bought this screen printer to supplement my own needs. I bought it so that I could get the profit margin on my own garments down to a point that I'd be able to get them into shops and make it a viable situation. But with that said, I think the feeling behind not wanting to do other people's screen prints is having a certain amount of anxiety around the process of screen printing itself. The process of screen printing is becoming easier and easier, and just recently, Larissa has elected to start helping me on the screen printer as well, and she has taken, like, I would say a good 40% of the job and completely made it her own. One second. Where's this fucking Dude, shut up. He fell off my finger. There was a fly. He was just dying behind me. You know? Anyway. So, who the fuck was I? Doing other people's screens. So yeah, Larissa has like elected to, and like just really grabbed it by the balls and she's fucking, basically all I have to do is like we do a bit of setup together. By the time we're good to go, all I have to do is pour the ink on and, and pull. You know what I mean? Then when I'm done, go do my own cleaning up. So she puts all the teas on. She makes sure they're all aligned. She makes sure that the platens are in the right spot. She does everything. So basically all I have to do is swing the platens around and pull the screens on. So this means that my trial and error of figuring out how to to like basically screen print, which it sounds crazy after you've done it like a dozen times you go, how much more do you need to know? It really is like just to fucking continuously do it until you figure out how it's done, how much pressure, what angle to slide the squeegee on. Sometimes if you have particular areas of the screen that don't go in as well, you have to like revisit them on each pull and then just just little technical things here and there. But my ability to learn those technical things has grown so quickly because I don't have the other 40% of the job of loading shirts on and taking them off and setting them and heat pressing them and all the rest. My whole focus now is just on doing really good screen prints. So this is awesome. This has allowed me to While I'm still not that interested in doing other people's screen prints, the people who have small businesses who are alongside me, who have been fucking with me for the past year, that's really important. We've been backwards and forwards helping each other out in whatever facet it might be. And this particular client that I've taken on, I've gone out of my way to go and see them do what they do in their arena, and they've come out of their way to come and see what I do in my arena. They've been part of the process, they've been part of the journey, and there's someone who appreciated my potential back at the start when I had nothing to offer, who wanted to fuck with me even though I had no tangible proof of what I was doing. They believed in my voice. And so that's the person when they reach out and go, hey, Can we get some of our stuff done fuck yeah dude and you know what i'm not going to charge you what the job's worth i'm going to charge you what it takes to get the job because at the same time your boy needs money for christmas you know what i mean now by the way i had to break that down for larissa that's something that makes heaps of sense to me but it might not make heaps of sense in general so when it comes to charging for a job and like this is the thing when you're doing work like this it's a very different setup to when i just make a shirt and sell it online because when i sell a shirt online. For you, the customer, you arrive and the price is already determined. All of my shirts are 60 bucks, all of my crewnecks are 70, and all of my hoodies are 85. So you go, right, I know what to expect. But when this person comes to me for a screen printing job, they're like, okay, I want this, this, you know, I want two prints, one on the front, one on the back, I want them on black tees, one color, Uh, you know, I want a small print on the front, a big print on the back, I want X amount of them. That's when you come up with a price. And this is the thing, when you're someone who does a job like this, you might be familiar with this, you might not be. But when you're someone who quotes these jobs, obviously you, like basically how it works is you list every, all of your costs, all of your expenses that might be, you know, developing the screen or getting the teas themselves, whatever it might be. And then you add on basically how much you're going to charge to do the job. And the most simple metric to understand how you break this down typically is time. Okay. So you go, right, my time is worth $25 an hour. This is going to take me two hours and we're going to have two people doing this. So, the labor for that job is $100 because we've gone 25 times two for two hours is 50. There's two people. So, 50 times two is $100 plus GST, so $110. So, you take all of your costs and you go add on $110, and Bob's your uncle, that's your quote. So, basically, what I do is my time here is based off what my time was as a truck driver. Okay. And there's a little bit of a formula behind that as well because basically, to be a heavy, to be like a, what do you call it? A heavy vehicle truck driver, you know, somebody who drives road trains and all the rest. It's a, skilled, it's a skilled environment, basically. So you can't just go and do that if you're Joe Bloggs off the street. You have to have a license, you have to have experience. And then even doing the specific thing you're doing, whether it's general freight or whether it's mineral sands or whether it's liquids or dangerous goods, you have to have specific uh, work experience in that area. So basically, I look at this as Joe Blogs can't come off the street and start screen printing. He has to have a screen printer. He has to have, he or she, you gender specific motherfuckers, has to have a screen printer. They have to have a space to do it. Obviously, they have all of the fucking stuff that around all the equipment around the equipment. So, having the heat press and the heat gun and the fucking rulers and the bullshit and the inks and that. So, I see it as that is as skilled as what truck driving is. Because I don't believe that you, whoever you are, couldn't screen print. But I believe that right now you couldn't do it. So with enough training, you could do it. But without any training, you couldn't do it. So I put this in the say 25 to 35, maybe $40 an hour, depending on who this person is, right? And when I say depending on who this person is, I don't mean who the person is, uh, Personally, like I don't mean as if like if I like you, I'll give you twenty five bucks an hour. If I don't like you, it's going to be forty five dollars an hour. It's more like if like if you're tied into the black ink scene, and I want you talking about black ink in your spare time. You say someone says, "Oh, you got a nice shirt." You know, where'd you get this? Oh, well, this is actually one of my shirts, or this is X X person's shirt, but it was actually black ink that printed this. If you're involved in the whole kind of economy of black ink, then I'm going to do everything I can to give you the best possible, you know piece of, of clothing, whatever it might be, to, to 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 brag about. You know what I mean? That's not the idea, is it? But then say you're someone who I don't particularly want to take on the job. And I don't know that sounds crazy, but like when, when you're a business and you're busy, there is sometimes you don't there's work that you don't want, you know? Or maybe it's someone that's just approached you completely from left of field and, you know, I hate saying this and it's not like I've had to make this decision, but it is a conversation that I've had in my mind. If you're someone coming to me and you're trying to start a a brand or a label or whatever it might, you know, the same thing that I'm trying to do, and I I feel that you're not doing it to the best of your ability, um, or that you don't have a sound plan, or that you're maybe going about it the wrong way, I may charge in a way that will uh, suggest you to either, you know, edit what, you know, to, to maybe kind of change up what you're trying to do and look at it a bit differently, or I might give you a price that would would maybe yeah i shouldn't be saying this and that's all good you know so i'm just going to stop right there but you understand what i'm saying right so what i did with with this particular job that i'm working on today is i priced it to to help him to get the job you know what i mean as far as i'm concerned and look you all know i'm very transparent i very honest with this i don't have any fucking money at the moment every single dollar that i make i put back into black ink and i'm at such a growth stage with black ink that i'm having to buy new machines. I'm having to buy stuff that supplements the equipment that I already have. I'm having to buy more parts and accessories for the equipment that I already had to do a better job. And we'll talk a little bit. Just let me make a note. Um, We'll come back to that. I'm having to buy these new pieces of equipment to supplement what I'm doing. So it means that every time that I make a dollar, I need to spend a dollar 50. Okay. And obviously my beautiful fucking long sighted me can appreciate that you know, obviously, this has a future where it's not always going to be a case of make a dollar, spend a dollar fifty. The idea is you get to a certain point where, you know, you make a dollar and only have to spend twenty cents, and you're like, cool, in the prof- you now and into the profitable stage of of doing business. But with that said, I much I see more success in doing these shirts to the best of my ability, which I would always do, and making them super affordable for that customer for more chances of repeat service, and also for them to be able to go like fuck yeah black ink did this for me and this is a this is a really hard thing you have to do as a business as well i feel like making the decision as to whether like you know profit isn't a bad word you're allowed to charge exactly what you're worth you should start how you want to finish but at the same time i feel like there's something to be said with there's something to be said for respecting that there is a certain amount of friendship in business and kind of answering that friendship when the doorbell rings you know what i mean when this guy says hey can you do it he's going like hey i know there's a bunch of professional screen printers out there i know that but my boys just started screen printing what i'm doing is fairly simple i'm going to float this his way and see what he says you know i'm going to just see what happens and that's what he's done, and I can feel that, and I reciprocate that by doing what I'm doing. And yeah. Anyway, look, let's not fucking bury down too much in this. The second thing that I was doing this morning was designing these swing tags. And I know what you're saying. Hey, Jake, what's a swing tag? Can you please educate me? Sure. So, you walk into a shop, you're looking at a shirt on the rack, and you look in the back, you're like, oh, yeah, it's a small. And then you pull the little thing out that's on a, on a string, and it's got the fucking square piece of cardboard on there, and it says Rusty. And then it's got a barcode on there and a price and all that that tag is called a swing tag so basically what this is is a little kind of gateway of communication between me and the customer potentially buying my t-shirt in a shop now a swing tag is only specific to something that's being sold in a shop it's quite a physical tangible experience because if you get a shirt that you order online and you get it to your house and you open it up out of the plastic and then you open it up out of the paper bag that i seal them and then you pull it out and then it's got a swing tag in there well, you know what size it is, but you know what style it is. You know what brand sold it to you. You know how much it is and shit. You even know where you can find it. You know why? Because you've already done all that. You found me on my website. No, no, no. You found Black Ink on Instagram or Facebook or your friends told you or you watched my podcast. Then you went to my website. Then you selected the si- the style that you like. You selected which size is going to fit you. You agreed on the price and then you paid for it. So the swing tag is completely useless to my online customers. But the swing tag inside of a store setting now that that makes sense my friend but the only thing that i'm missing in this whole equation is my clothes being in a store and as you know if you're an avid listener a lifelong fan and a of course subscriber to my only fans you would know that my aim is to get clothes into shops in the 1st of march 2022 and the reason that i gave myself this goal of march in is because it was the start of a season. What allowed me to do is build some sort of a collection or a capsule that I can use for shop imp- implementation so I can go to shops and say, hey, here's what I've got for this season. Here's all my, you know, here's all the finished products, everything obviously already physically made. You can touch it, feel it, you know, understand it and make a decision as to whether you wanna put it in your shops. So I was talking to one of my mentors on Sunday night and I said to him, you know, he goes, and b- by the way, this mentor that I'm talking about here's the reason that I got a heat press and a screen printer and all the rest. And the reason that we had that conversation, if you go back another step, was to get my stuff in shops. He explained to me the price breakdown, how much money you're going to make by having things in shops or how much money you're going to lose sort of thing. And he said, basically, you need your cost of production to be this number instead of this massive number that you've got at the moment. And the only way to do that is to control production for yourself and make everything within your own you know, capacity. So from that, I bought the screen printer, I bought the heat press, I actually, I think I was talking to him while I was living in a caravan, I ended up moving into a house so that we could say, you know, you know all this, you follow all the story. So anyway, I'm talking to him and he goes, so how's your fucking, how's your screen, print, how's your screen printing going, how's your production, all the rest, and how's getting your shit into shops? Essentially, that's what the question was. I said look i want to get into shops by march i'm spending all this time getting things right you know the the, the inner tags the swing tag the screen print process and making sure that i've got a certain standard of quality that i can meet every time through the skills that i have in screen printing itself right and he goes yeah yeah that's cool so can you screen print i said yeah fuck yeah he goes cool so why isn't you closing shops now i said oh because you know i don't want to go to a shop and this is i'm going to give you now more of an answer than what i gave him okay because I've done some reflection on all this and it'll make sense when I tell you the full story, but I've reflected on this and I think I've figured it out. So the thing that I was most scared of is going into a shop and being told no, right? So as far as I'm concerned, using that fear, which I think is a fair fear, and it's not like a fear that fucking renders me stupid, I'm just saying it's a a fear that I have. So because of that fear, What I wanted to do is make sure that every element that I had control over, that I feasibly could say was part of the process, I want to make sure that is as close to perfect as possible before I go in there and have that conversation. I want to raise the likelihood of getting a yes so much that I can walk in there with enough confidence to say, I know everything, I know every answer to any question that you're going to ask about my product, okay? And you're probably thinking like, how can you not know the answers to the questions about your product? Trust me, it just takes literally so many fucking small failures and wins, so many like, so much data collection from the process of trial and error that you not only know the answers to the shit about your stuff that is directly askable, you know the stuff, you know all the background about your stuff, you know all the peripheral shit about your stuff, you know all the side opinions about your stuff, you've got enough sales, you've got enough products made to be able to have an actual collection of data that is useful and relevant to someone who's in a shop even as simple as the shop owner saying like, well, what size do you sell the most of? You know, what's your most popular product? What's your what's the product that has a highest profit margin? What's the product, what product are you using as a base model to build your next collection off and things like that. And they're things that you need to have a a kind of run of experience, you need to have, you know, I tried this, it didn't work, I tried that, it worked really well. And from that, from that experience and that data, I went on to make this, which didn't do so well, but using the same strategy, I did this and that, that did really well. So that tells me that this product works, or this strategy works, or this sort of campaign isn't effective, you know. So I basically said to him, said, you know, I'm just fucking worried. I don't want to be told no, I don't, you know, I don't want to. And also, I feel like this is the thing." I feel like I want to have that confidence of like if, if the first time I tried it and I got yes, then that sets the precedent for other shops who might have heard of me or might have seen my, my brand or whatever. If I can go into the second shop and say, hey, first shop said yes straight, you know, here's what I've got, da da, give them the whole presentation. I'm already in this shop. They were happy to take on my brand because of X, Y, and Z, da da da. So I had kind of built this whole idea of what the process of me getting into shops was going to be based off this conversation that I had with him originally where he explained to me the whole process. So I basically thought there was no other way to get into shops other than using that process. Okay. And all the fringe ideas that I added onto what that process was were the things that was making me feel anxious about the idea of even doing it to begin with. So I set this far out date. I said, right, I'm going to be in drops by March, 2022. I've got enough shit to worry about just doing releases every two, three weeks here and getting new designs and creating new products and keeping up with the orders that I've already got, learning how to use a screen printer, maintaining a healthy relationship with my partner and my dog. So I was like, cool, March is great. March is great. And he goes, yeah, man, but it's Christmas in fucking 20 days. And I was like, yeah, And he goes, so people buy stuff before Christmas. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, so you want to get your clothes in shops before Christmas? And the reason I'm saying yeah, and not really putting two and two together is because I'm like, well, but March, you know, like I don't have anything I can do now because, but March and he goes, yeah. Okay. So we're 20 days out from Christmas, bro. I've already done my Christmas shopping. People are spending money right now. And this dude's owned a clothes shop before. The reason why he knew all the answers because he's done not what I'm doing, but he's been in the industry heavily for long enough to be like, yeah, bro, you have a product to sell and there's people out there who sell your product. How about go giving your product to that person? And I'm like, all of a sudden I have this light bulb moment where I'm like, oh fuck, it's Christmas. And at Christmas time, people buy things and I have things to sell, and on top of that, there's shops out there that sell the things that I sell, so maybe I could give my stuff to those shops, and then people can come and do their Christmas shopping, buy my stuff, and all of a sudden, I'm in shops. So the, the, the fucking point of the joke was his idea became my idea, and that's when it became a good idea. Anyway, it kind of fell over because I don't have an audience giving me any feedback or laughter, but all good. So what I did was I got off the phone all excited. I'm like, fucking, of course. I just went into overgear, right? Unfortunately, I couldn't do much with the idea because that was Sunday night and Monday morning I had to get on my Harley first thing in the morning, right up to Perth, meet with a potential mentor, someone who I thought could give me... uh, Look, I don't know what I expected out of it. I don't even know if I would... I don't want to say answers because I didn't even have a question for this person. But at the same time, I just thought fuck, I don't know what I thought. I just thought I'd get more from what I, what I did. This person literally like, I would say right now, doesn't even remember my name or what my business is. I organized this meeting through Instagram with this person and I don't think this person even went onto my profile to see like who or what Black Ink or Jake Kerr is. Like honestly, it was just like, I remember getting halfway through the conversation. I'm like, oh, this guy has no idea. He has no idea. He's giving me completely non-contextual answers. He is literally talking to fucking anyone right now. And as I said earlier in the podcast, bro, I get it. I get it. You probably had ten thousand people like me asking the same questions that I was asking you, or blowing your boat, blowing, blowing up your fucking horn the same way I was. But the reality is, like, you could have done at least ten minutes worth of research and seen that, like, oh, okay, this 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 kid's kind of serious. You know what I mean? He's probably got a fair amount of sales already. He he kinda knows what he's talking about. He's gonna know probably a lot of information about his garments or anyway, I'm getting too far into it. So basically, after that little meeting, that little thing, I, I got straight on my bike and rode straight home, okay? And what I did was I left there needing to piss because I had three coffees while I was in Perth, no water, you know, legend status. And I'm belting down the Quinana Freeway and I stop at Beldivis South, which any fucking Western Australian resident knows is an absolute dream to stop out on your way home from Perth because it's got the big Bowsers and it's got McDonald's and it's got nice toilets and you can get everything you need there, you know what I mean? So... If i fucking pull in. I fill my bike up full of 95 because the shit was like $2 a fucking liter if you got 98. It was like literally $1.98. Hey, what are you doing? 150 Ks down the road, it's $1.60. How is that fucking, what? You know, you literally, just for the pleasure of being able to buy a double cheeseburger in that joint, they charge you $0.20, 20 cents extra a liter on fuel, which is fucking crazy. So i put some 95 in there because your boy's only running a stage one with an air cleaner and heavy pipes. So I only really need 91, but you know, you do what you do. So I put the fuel in there. i got that pulse in the end of my penis because I need to piss so bad. So I'm like, cool, I'm going to pay for this. I'm going to go to the toilet, get rid of this excess fluid in my body. I'm going to get on my bike, pin six gear, sit on about 140 the whole way home. I'm going to feel better about the time that I've just wasted because it's fucking Monday, just about lunchtime and I've achieved nothing for my business so far this week, right? So I go in, I pay for my shit. I go into the toilet. Hey, hey, hey. It's the fucking cleaners in there, right? So at midday, on a Monday, is probably not the best time to clean the toilets. Hey, sweetie, clean the toilets between 10 and 11, male and female. If you need to clean them again, do it between two and three. You know why? Because that's just before when all the rush happens. Don't clean them at lunchtime. Don't clean them at breakfast time. Don't clean them at knockoff work time, okay? Because how it works is, a lot of people are going to need to use the toilets at that time. And if you say, hey, you can't come in. I'm cleaning the toilets. Use the disabled toilets if you need. Well, the maths doesn't add up, sweetie. Because you've got six urinals inside the men's toilet. And you've got two disabled toilets. Two, six, two, six. right? So I'm like, you know what? It's all good. I'll just go to the disabled toilet. I might do some fucking chelisthenics or whatever it's called, some fucking yoga, because i got space to move, you know, but of course, both of the disabled toilets are locked, and I'm just a fucking piece of shit when I'm in a bad mood, so I was like, you know what, I'm just not going to piss, so I get back on my bike, I fang it down the road, I'm doing my buck 40 the whole way, and then I see a nice little cozy pull-in, I'm, I literally, I've never pulled in this, dude, if, if, if you're a Western Australian resident, tell me if you know this fucking pull-in, right, it's about, hmm, Okay, so the toilets are the toilets on the side of the road. They're seventy k's from Bunbury heading south. So I think this must be. So it's bef- it's before you reach Settlers. So it's probably like forty-seven kilometres outside of Bunbury, right? And I'm for some reason I'm really good at uh, guessing specific distances and times. When I when I'm like guessing the time, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's like ten thirty-seven. 1037. So let's say forty-seven k's. North side of Bunbury, but it's on the southbound side of the road. There's this like this little pull-in that, that's literally just got like a bunch of like roads around trees and shit, but it's all dirt roads and all fucked and that. So you could take like a car and caravan in there and sleep there overnight. Like there's no reason you couldn't. So I pull in there and I'm like, you know, by this time I don't even need to piss anymore because it's like my body's like, oh well, I guess we're just not pissing, you know. So I get off my bike, I turn it off, I leave my helmet on, I take my gloves off, and I put my gloves on the seat of the bike and I walk over to this fence and I'm taking a piss on this fence, right? And I remember this because, I remember because I always do little things like, so like when I lock doors, I always like lock the door and then go back to the lock position to make sure that it's all good. And when I put my gloves on the seat, I always like put my gloves on the seat, kind of touch them. And I'm like, that's where they are. So I went, it's just little things, you know what I mean? So I walk over, I'm taking a piss. I was pissing slightly uphill, so I had to take a couple steps backwards. It's not important to the story. I'm just trying to fill you in with as many details as I can. So I'm taking a piss, I finish, I go back over to the bike, I'm like, right, I'll have a quick stretch. I'll just like settle myself, get my thoughts, and then we'll fucking... Oh, and also, this is one of those spots between the two cameras as well. So you know that if you stop between those two cameras, there's no chance of you getting caught as well, you know, which is weird that they put two servos in the middle of those point-to-point cameras, because then you're like, well, if I just stop at the servo, it makes all of this irrelevant, you know? Why wouldn't, literally, why wouldn't they just put that point-to-point camera like... 600 meters on the other side of the servo so that like they get heaps more like people breaking the law and they get more money you know all good but why so i'm like having a stretch i'm having to think and i smell this smell and i'm like hey cuz what's that smell and then this car drives in so i'm starting to get all like you know when you buy yourself doing something and someone like comes into the environment, you're like, well, I guess it's time for me to go, you know? And I, I know, actually, a lot of people don't think like that. A lot of people, seems to be a lot of people, like, their automatic reaction was like, I was here first. And the other person's like, hey, and they're like, but I was here first. It's like, I know, I was saying, hey, I'm, I, this is, I was here first. Like, All good, bro, I'll fucking go. But my reaction is always, like, someone comes in, I'm like, yeah, bro, I was just fucking leaving, I'm just getting me shit, eh? Like, I actually was never here, you you never see me, you know? So as this all happens, I'm like, weird smell, someone comes, I'm going to go, I look down and I'm like, oh, there's only one glove on my seat. Well, the wind must have caught it and thrown it off the bike or something. Then I'm like, oh no, you know how you have a, you know how something happens in your mind and it takes like 10 seconds in your mind, but in reality, it took like a quarter of a second. In my mind, I'm like doing the maths, like, oh fuck, if carry the one, if you Google the rest of this, I'm like, I, I know exactly where my glove is, I know what the smell is. The glove has fallen off my seat onto the exhaust and it is burning the leather in the glove. I look down, there is a glove resting on my exhaust. Now, just so I can give you a bit of backstory with my gloves. See, what happened was, I bought these gloves when I got my second Harley. I was walking out of the Harley shop, I had just bought my new Harley. I was feeling like a fucking gangster, you know, and I like saw these gloves and I was like, oh shit, right? These gloves... They're Harley gloves, but the point is, most Harley merch has, you know, it lets you know by putting Harley fucking everywhere. I'm like, dude, these are black on black gloves, all leather, Harley across the knuckles. I'm like, these are fucking sick, you know. I'm gonna get these gloves. So I said to Homeboy, I was like, hey, can you put this on my finance? He's like, we can put anything on your finance, bro. Just fucking get them. So I got these gloves, and it was one of those things that because I had nice gloves, I made a point to wear them as much as possible. Because you're like, well, you really should be wearing gloves on your on a motorbike, and you've got nice gloves, so now I'm gonna wear the nice gloves. And i did i wore them every single time i rode there's something that like undeniably i have definitely always worn my gloves so much so that i feel uncomfortable not wearing gloves because i'm so used to wearing them so when i saw this glove melting on my exhaust my heart was breaking and my anger was rising because at this point this motherfucker not only ruined my day with a meeting, but now my pair of gloves is fucked because I never would have been here if he never wanted to stroke his fucking ego and just say yes to me asking for a meeting for him just to talk about himself, okay? And again, bro, if you're watching this, now you understand, okay? Now you understand. This is my this is my glove, okay? Can you see that? See how we got three normal fingers, then you got a pinky old fucking... Bent out of shape and shit. That has now shrinked. And I know what you're thinking. Like, they're not leather gloves if it shrunk, okay? So there must be some plastic shit in the- I don't know. They're fucking great gloves. I don't kill what they're made out of. But now, this is all tight and fucking shrunk and all the rest and ripped on that seam and shit. So now, these once beautiful gloves... And just let me elaborate on how fucking nice these gloves are, okay? I've had these gloves for so long that the Velcro on the back wore out. So I got this nice old lady to install some fucking... See? little clip on there you get a little bit of audio on that clip listen you ready beautiful look how nice these gloves are dude if you're just listening to the audio wear it like 41 minutes in just jump on youtube and check it out all right so look there's that black ink logo, uh, not black ink harley davidson logo on the knuckles and look at these things man look how nice that is look how fucking look at the inside all that grip and shit and dude the most important thing is is like when I take them off they maintain the shape of my hand. That's a fucking good glove. You know what I mean? That's just beautiful. And like it's it's that nice black where it's seen. I mean this is probably seen 30, 40, maybe 50,000 kilometers, you know, towards the sun and they're still black. That's a fucking brilliant pair of gloves. You understand? So now my gloves is fucked. So I get on my home I, I get on my Harley I ride the 47 kilometers home. I get a little bit of sunburn on the back of my hands because I didn't sunscreen them because I was never anticipating riding without my gloves. All good. All good. Okay. As I get home, Riz comes home like 10 minutes later. I'm in an average mood. It was one of those things where I actually didn't want to talk about it yet because I knew if Riz was like, you know, how's your day? I'd just start crying and fucking wailing. And you're like, oh bad. he didn't like me. We're not friends. I fucking don't know what I'm doing. I didn't want to do that. So I was like, oh, you know, it was just a, wasn't the best time. I burnt my glove. It is what it is. Duh. It was two o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm faced with the situation of like, okay, what do you wanna do? Do you still wanna make something of this day? We can say, I mean, I'm already working towards like, okay, I organized a meeting with someone, I went to the meeting, it wasn't what I anticipated, I came home, I'm safe, I'm in one piece, the whole thing cost me like 40, 50 bucks, who cares? I still learned something from it. I still learned that you're not gonna get something from every time you ask someone if you can have like a mentorship type of meeting from them. You're not gonna get an answer every time you ask a question. You're not gonna get something useful every time you need something useful. I went through the process, I met the guy, I'm now better off for the experience, even though I didn't get what I wanted for the experience. It's all good, brother, I don't mind. But with that said, I'm still, I'm still hurt. You know, I'm still a little bit soft on the inside. So I'm thinking, fuck man, you know, like I can go do some computer work that I know I gotta do, and I like to do computer work, I like to do this sort of stuff, you know, the real kind of meat and gristle of everything in the morning while you're fresh and sharp. But I thought, I, don't, I can't see myself getting into computer work. And this is the thing, after you spent four hours doing this, just, ah! You kind of, you get, you know, you, you, I guess you're just physically tired. You know, that cockroach is still alive. We've been laying on his back for fucking days. Man, that'd be, that'd be a fucking, that's torment. Just laying on your back for a few days, slowly dying. Anyway, I'll put him outside, obviously. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to listen to what homeboy said yesterday when I called him about the Christmas thing, about having clothes in shops. You know what I did? I drank a liter of water. I brush, I brushed my teeth. I got in my car and I went to the shop that I thought was the absolute best fit for Black ink, the top of my list, right? The people, sorry, not the people, the shop that I visualized my brand in, in March, 2022, which obviously is all part of the process. When you set these goals, it's no good unless you visualize it every day and you work towards a future that you can actually understand and see in your mind. So I went straight there and I had a conversation. I had a conversation with the lady who owns a shop and we spoke for about, I would say an hour, and long story short, Black Ink is going to be in shops, in this shop, by the end of the week. So I've got some jobs to do. I've got to make some swing tags. I've got to make sure my inner tags on the back are all correct. I've got to make sure that I've got a size spread in each of the three soles that I'm going to be implementing into this shop. But the point of all of this is that Black Ink is going to be in a shop by the end of the week. Now I can't tell you what shop it is like I don't want to wait until it's said and, uh, I want to wait till it's happening before I say that it's happening. I don't want to say this might happen because I'll admit there are some little uh, what would you call them little um, factors that I have to work in with and try and manipulate some things around to, to make this all happen some little problems that I've got to solve if you will, but I'll solve them. I'll make those factors work for me and my, my, my clothes will be inside that shop before the week is out, I guarantee you. so, Watch this space, get excited, and if you're ready for the fucking physical, tangible experience of being able to swap cash for clothes inside of an establishment that is built just for that very purpose, then I'm telling you to start your engines because it's going to be fucking happening very soon. And while, I mean, for now, I'll be honest, I'm getting three styles in there. I'm doing a little spread. uh, So, you know, three different shirts, about uh, two, four, six of each shirt. So we're only going to have 18 shirts in there to begin with, but this is the first step, right? Right? To be able to be in a hundred stores or a thousand stores worldwide one day, I needed to be in just one in my hometown first. And now that I've got that, this is like fucking, I got my little my little badge, my little achievement badge. I've like stepped one, i progressed a little bit more. And the, the crazy part about it is, from the outside perspective, people say like, oh, there's a new top Oh, there's this, you know, fucking, oh, he's doing a birthday sale. Now he's got a new hockey jersey. Now he's in a shop. You know, people see these things from the outside, these like level ups as I level up and they go, oh, that's what's happening with in black ink. That's what's happening. But for me, there's so many moving parts all the time that it's hard to appreciate that that conversation was such a pinnacle fucking moment in my business career. But it just felt like a conversation. In fact, It just felt like the redeeming part of my Monday after I got fucked around doing 400 kilometers talking to someone who didn't want to talk to me. That's all it felt like. And unfortunately, yesterday I jumped on, I recorded this podcast, I went completely off the fucking deep end, ratting this guy out, calling him a bad person because I was emotionally hurt. And I forgot the simple fact that Black Ink had one of the biggest wins it had all year and it happened the day before. And for some reason, I focused on the bad part of it. bro. What the fuck? So I guess all I can give you at this point is a little bit of uh, encouragement, maybe motivation to focus on the good, not the bad. Sometimes the bad seems like it's 95% of your life, but trust me, that good part can actually be heaps better if you just understand what it is. If you just put it into perspective, give it some fucking, I don't know, oomph, you know? Anyway, don't forget, be good to your mum. Do something nice for someone else today and focus on the good because I'm fucking out.